0: Chapter fifty of the Mystery of the Ravenspurs by Fred M. White. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter fifty a kind uncle Ralph crept toward the door. Marion came close to him, her hands fumbling nervously with the bolts and bars. Some of the bars were heavy and marion was fearful lest they should fall with a clang and betray her ralph stretched out his hand and drew back a bolt allow me to assist you he said i am used to this kind of work a scream rose to marion's lips but she suppressed it the effort set her trembling from head to foot yet it seemed to her that there was no cause to be frightened for she had never heard ralph's voice so kind before uncle she stammered what are you doing here by way of reply ralph opened the door he gave the sign for marion to precede him and then followed her out into the night the heavy door closed behind him i might with equal justice ask you the same question he said nay more because you are merely a young girl and i am a man and you know i don't sleep like most virtuous people i suffer from insomnia and never sleep for long anywhere perhaps i am like the cat who prowls about all night and slumbers in the daytime but where are you going uncle ralph i cannot tell you it is a secret If you knew everything, you would pity me." There was a deepening ring in Marion's voice. Ralph caressed her hand tenderly. "'Don't trouble,' he said. "'I know.' "'You know where I am going? You—you know?' "'Certainly I do. I know everything, my dear.' "'Not everything, Uncle.' Not of my connection with that woman, for instance. Indeed I do, Marion. You are aware of our relationship? You know that? My dear child, I have known it for years. But your secret is safe with me. I am not going to betray you. Could I have the heart to do so after all you have done for my family, Angel Marion? He repeated the last words over and over again in a low, caressing voice, pressing the girl's hand softly as he did so. Even then Marion was not sure whether he was in earnest or whether he was grimly ironical. "'I never thought of this,' Marion murmured. "'Perhaps not,' Ralph replied. "'Mrs. May is a bad woman, Marion.' "'The worst in the world,' Marion replied. "'You only know her as Mrs. May?' "'I only know her as she is, dear, and yet I feel that in some vague kind of way she is mixed up with our family misfortunes. "'Oh, if I could only see, if I could only use my eyes, then I might know that woman still better.' Marion shuddered at the steely, murderous tones. Ralph patted her hand reassuringly. "'But you need not be afraid,' he said. "'You are all right, the brightest angel in the world. You are torn by conflicting emotions. You fancy your duty lies in certain directions, and you are troubled over it. And yet it will come right in the end, Marion. We did not lose Geoffrey, after all.' thank god no and yet there is plenty of time there is ample time for the right as well as the wrong marion but do not let us talk of the past any more my dear i am not going to pry into your secrets and i know how far to trust you let me walk part of the way with you i can wait by the barn till you return marion raised no objection It was the dead of night now, and there was no fear of meeting anybody. Yet Marion started uneasily as Ralph began to whistle. She ventured to suggest that the noise was not prudent. "'Perhaps you are right,' Ralph said amicably. "'At any rate, I will wait here till your return. You have not far to go, of course?' "'I have a very little way to go, Uncle.' I am going to Jessop's farm." Ralph nodded. The farm loomed up not far off. As Marion darted off, Ralph lighted his pipe and whistled again. Something moved in the bushes. Meanwhile, Tchigorsky and Geoffrey were nearing the window. Tchigorsky moved on resolutely and confidently with the air of a man who was sure of his ground. He put up his hand and fumbled for the catch. It gave at once, and the pair of burglars slipped quietly into the room. "'We shall be safe,' he said, as he proceeded to strike a match. "'It is just as well to take every precaution. What would the estimable Jessop say if he could see into his parlor?' Geoffrey smiled. "'He'd be astonished,' he said a little dismayed too but he would say nothing so long as i am here jessop would stand on his head for me the strong rays of the lamp lighted up the room there were flowers everywhere dainty china on the table full of blooms bowls filled with choicest fruits wine sparkled in the crystal goblets on the sideboard a silver cigarette box was conspicuous and on a safe lay an object to which tchigorsky called his companion's attention what do you make that out to be he asked geoffrey picked up the drapery on the top of it lay something red with a feather in it it appeared to be a costume of some kind as geoffrey held it aloft a light gradually broke in upon him well tchigorsky asked have you solved the problem i have geoffrey replied it is the blue dress and tam hat which have played so conspicuous a part lately but what brings them here has mrs may a companion hidden somewhere a companion who might be marion's sister seems like it tchigorsky said with a dry smile but i am not going to enlighten you any further on that question at present mrs may and the girl in the blue dress are two separate people anyway you forgot that i have seen them together said Geoffrey. i had forgotten that well it won't be long now before the identity of the lady in the smart dress and coquettish hat is established Meanwhile, we came here in search of something far more important than a woman's costume. Help me to turn out all those drawers, and be careful to replace everything exactly as you find it. We have a good three hours before us, and much depends upon the result of our search. Keep a keen eye open for papers in any language that is unfamiliar to you for an hour the search proceeded and yet nothing came to light there were plenty of bills most of them emanating from west end establishments accounts for dresses and flowers boxes for theatres and the like but nothing more tchigorsky glanced keenly around the room i am afraid we shall be compelled to show our hand he said Mrs. May is so clever that I half expected to find private papers in some simple place, while an examination of her safe would disclose nothing. She has not anticipated burglary, and what I am looking for is in the safe. "'Dare you open it?' Geoffrey asked. "'And show my hand, you mean? I fancy so.' We are so near success now that it really does not matter put the safe on the table replied tchigorsky the heavy iron box slipped as geoffrey raised it and clanged on the floor an exclamation of anger and annoyance came from tchigorsky and an apology from the younger man they both stood upright for a few minutes listening intently. But the people upstairs were sleeping the sleep of the just. There came no answering sound. Blessings upon the pure air and the high conscience that hold these people, Chigorsky muttered more amicably. It's all right, my young friend. Hoist up the box, and let us see if my little steel Jimmy will have any effect. I would rather have had the key. It is never well to betray your plans, if you can..." The speaker paused. From outside, a little way off, there arose a long, shrill scream, the cry of a woman in distress. The sound set Geoffrey's blood leaping. He pushed for the window, but Tchigorsky detained him. "'Where are you going?' he asked sternly. "'Outside geoffrey exclaimed a woman is there she asks for assistance can you stand there calmly and see see you making an ass of yourself eh my dear boy on my word of honor there is no woman in danger yonder in a measure i am glad to hear that cry though it proves to me that our allies have not been so artistic over their work as they might have been YOU WILL NOT HEAR THAT CRY AGAIN." "'Perhaps not,' Geoffrey said, reassured considerably by Tchigorsky's placid manner. "'But I hear footsteps outside.' Tchigorsky smiled. He had taken some steel bits from his pocket, but he replaced them again. "'If they are, then they are the footsteps of a friend,' he said." This being so, there will be no need for me to give you lessons in the way not to open a safe. Are you right? It seems as if the window was opening." The window was indeed opening. It moved half an inch, and then there was a hist, and something clanged on the floor. Tchigorsky took the matter as coolly as if it had all been arranged beforehand. He did not move as the window closed again, and stealthy footsteps outside moved away. "'Is it all right?' Geoffrey asked. Tchigorsky smiled broadly. "'Splendid!' he said. "'It could not have been better. My boy, this is the night's work which is going to crown our endeavors. Yonder we have the proofs and here we have the means of getting them he picked the metallic object from the floor he fitted it to the lock of the safe and instantly a mass of queer things was discovered tchigorsky's eyes gleamed as he saw this they positively flamed as he turned out a lot of papers at the bottom was a book in metal covers As Tchigorsky fluttered it open, a cry broke from him. "'Found!' he exclaimed. "'Found! We have them in the hollow of our hands!' End of chapter 50